0: I was excited because that was the first time they let me use the mover lights. And I haven't got to use them yet because they said we can't do it. This is a distraction. But they were having fun. And I I didn't tell them I was going to use the moving lights. But I told Jason, I'm going to hit a button and the lights are going to start moving. And Jason said, Did you practice this? I said, No. (laughs) Whatever happens, happens. It all worked out. It was so fun. So, anyway, um, hey, here's something that you've probably said before. I'm so glad, I'm so glad they showed up in my life when they did. Or or here's another example. Maybe you said something like this. I'm not sure where I would be without them. Or maybe, maybe what it sounded like is, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today apart from them. Immediately, you can probably think of somebody in your life that you're like, man, I'm so glad they walked in my life. I mean, they came at just the right time. It was like they knew what was going on. And man, I think about where I am. I didn't know when I met them how big of a deal it would be. But now I look back and I'm so thankful for, for who they are, for what they did. I just, oh man, I don't know where I would be without them. And you can immediately think of these types of people. And they're types of people who, who provided insight, encouragement, perspective, Maybe even hope. I mean, immediately some people come to my mind. I mean, honestly, uh, my dad comes to mind. I mean, if you, if you like my preaching at all, then you should thank my dad because he is the practical preacher. He's my favorite preacher. But my dad just, he made it so practical, kind of gave me handlebars to understanding how to live out my faith. I think of Larry Fine. Larry Fine was a professor of mine in college, and he was a mentor, but he, he helped me connect these dots of the importance between mental health and spiritual health and how they were connected to one another. and uh, man, he, he changed my life in, in such a way I think it led to so many great things in my life. but uh, I, I've ca- literally called to him and thanked him. so for, thank you for, for being this influence in my life. Uh, man, I think when I think of our church. I think of Larry and Martha Ware. Uh, Larry and Martha Ware have been in my life since I was a teenager. I mean, uh, their kids have been in in my weddings. Their son was my best man and my college roommate. And Larry and Martha have just always supported supported me. They're like my adopted uh, parents. And so I don't know just where I would be without Larry and Martha Ware. I, I, I think of people like Pastor Ashley. You know, one of the reasons Trunk or Treat is so near and dear to my heart is because I met them at Trunk or Treat it was years ago, Is the only year we've ever had rain at our Trunk or Treat, and so we didn't know what to do, we didn't want to cancel it, so we just moved everything inside. And so I was standing right there on that handicap entrance right there, and there's a big old line wrapped around our building of people coming in, experiencing Trunk or Treat, and I looked down, and there's two people dressed as Dwight and Angela from the office, and it was just perfect. I mean, I'm pretty sure Ashley even had her arms crossed, it was just so good. And I just saw them, and I was like, yes, like we met eyes, and I was like, yes, but little did I know, in that meat cute right there, that they would come to our church, Ashley would start to play keyboard, you just saw her on the keys, and Jason would start to run our sound, and then Ashley would be on the leadership team, and then we'd have this big hole to fill, and we'd need somebody to step up and lead our youth, and then Ashley would step up as a volunteer lead our youth, and then eventually we'd have a call to ministry, and now she's full time on our staff. I mean, it's amazing. It's like last night she was up here on stage with our preteens. We had about 16 preteens in here, and Ashley's speaking to them. And I'm just, you know, I'm in awe. I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at Ashley, and I'm seeing Jason run sound, and I'm like, wow. I mean, where did that all start in that, in that one meeting right there at our trunk or treat? It's incredible. And then, of course, I'm mentioning all these great people. I have to also mention my wife, Kate. Because you all know how much trouble I would be in without Kate in my life. And I'm just so thankful for her. You know, many of you, you may not know the story. It was her junior year of college. And, you know, if you ever go to college and you're planning on leaving with more than just your degree but your Mrs. degree, you know, junior year, you're starting to run out of time. And it was between me and a guy named Kool-Aid. He was a big... He was a big six-foot-three lineman with red hair, and he did. He looked like the Kool-Aid man, and I'll never forget, Kate came by Darren and I's dorm, and she told me she was going on a date with Kool-Aid. I was a little sad. I was a little jealous, and Kool-Aid took her out, and then they went back to, to his apartment to watch a movie, and uh, Kool-Aid had, had, had hidden a, a fart machine underneath his couch, and uh, At that moment, she had a very important decision to make. As she sat next to this man named Kool-Aid, who could be her future husband, who had a fart machine, she thought, hmm, these are my choices, Lord. Being a pastor's wife or being married to a man named Kool-Aid with a fart machine, It was a tough choice, guys, and I'm just so thankful, so thankful that she chose me. Isn't that great? Anyways, but we we can all think of somebody, right? We can all think of somebody that we're thankful for. We're glad that they walked into our life when they did. Now, let me ask you a question that might push a little button. That person that comes to mind, have you ever thanked them? Have you ever thanked them? Do they know know the role that they played in your life? We'll get back to that in just a minute. If you're just joining us, we are in part four of our series called Faith. And we've been talking about what grows up and blows up your faith. And when it comes to faith, we found that Jesus was amazed by two things. When you go through the gospel and it says Jesus was amazed, it talks about two things. He was amazed of people of great faith and their lack of faith. And so we've kind of understood that Jesus' hope for all of his first century followers and for us today as his 21st century followers is that we would be people of great faith. Which this is why his initial invitation to his apostles was this, follow me, follow me. Which wasn't just believe something in your heart or believe something in your mind, but follow me. Practically live out your faith in the reality of your life. Let your faith determine how you respond, what you do, uh, uh, how you react to certain things. It was meant to be nitty and gritty and lived out in the reality of our life. And the first century followers, they understood this. They understood it because they were walking with Jesus. And then when Jesus left, the church started to blow up, but it was under persecution. It was illegal to be a Christian. These people were being martyred. They were being hunted by the empire. So they they had to choose every single day to live out their faith, to choose to not fight back, to choose uh, to stay as followers of Jesus. And it was much more than what they believed. But then that time came to an end. Then Christianity was legalized, it was, and then it was made the, the national religion of, of, of the empire. So then not only was it you know, legal, it was encouraged, and then it was organized religion, and then churches were built, and government started to even get involved. And so organized religion came, and we, we've talked about this. It's really, really hard to grow a big, sexy church on follow Jesus, but you can do that on believe. So they, that's what they did they, they kind of dumbed it down to just believe. All you need to do is believe the right things. Believe that Jesus died for your sins. J- believe that you know, Jesus rose again. Uh, just, just believe the right things, and, and you'll get to go to heaven. And, and so it was kind of dumbed down, but it was never meant to be dumbed down. It was meant that we were supposed to follow Jesus, that our faith was supposed to be lived out in every context of our life. And so what we've been talking about is that God God is most honored Go ahead and put that on the screen for me. God is most honored by our living, active, death-defying in spite of faith. But the question for every single one of us, how do I grow my faith? How do I grow my faith? How do I nurture my faith? So we've been trying to wrestle with this question. What fuels or facilitates the development of enduring faith? And so we've been talking about five dynamics that grow up and blow up our faith. And they're dynamics because some of the things we can do, some of them we can't, some of them are things we just walk into, seasons of life that we just walk into. But the first thing is this, practical teaching. Anybody with a great faith story, they'll tell you a story of a time when somebody gave them handlebars. It's like they took this text that's 2,000 years old and they made it applicable to me in 2023. And then I understood how to live this out in the context of my life. And we talked about that, that when, we, when we take God's teachings and we apply them to our life, we live them out. Sometimes we we don't know if this is actually what's best, because many of Jesus' teachings, I mean, honestly, they they sound counterintuitive. I mean, when somebody hurts you, you're not supposed to fight back. You're supposed to forgive people. You're supposed to be generous. You're supposed to give away of your possessions, give away a certain percentage of your income. Uh, You're you're supposed to put others before you, even when they may not deserve it, even when they may not earn it. And so when we take the teachings of Jesus, I mean, honestly, it doesn't make sense to do this, doesn't seem right, doesn't. Seem fair, but when we live it out, when we one another, one another, when we're people of peace and mercy and grace, what we find is when we live out Jesus's teachings, we experience His faithfulness on the other side. When we're generous. We, on the other side, experience God's faithfulness and God takes care of our needs. When we forgive one another, when we're peacekeepers, when we're people of grace and mercy, it doesn't make sense. But on the other side of that, we see relationships mended and healed and and things change. We're better for it. People are better for it. So that's the thing with practical teaching. And, And then it comes down to personal ministries, what we talked about last week. Personal ministry is when we feel that nudge from God. Hey, I want you to do this. I want you to do something about that. You see that person in need, I want you to step in their life. And we go, but God, I I don't have anything to give. This is all I got. We use that illustration of that lunchbox. When Jesus fed the 5,000, all I got is a couple loaves of of bread and two fish, man. And Jesus goes, give me what you got. Bring me what you got, and I will take care of the rest. And personal ministry, anybody of great faith will tell you a story of a time they felt the nudge, they felt the call, And they stepped up and they stepped into somebody's life and God showed up. God showed up, took care of the needs, changed people's lives. And for that reason, people will tell you, and that's when I gave just a little bit more of my life to God. That's when I trusted him just a little bit more and had just that much more confidence. And today we're gonna talk about providential relationships. Providential relationships. Talking about when you consider your story. When you consider your story, go to that next slide for me. When you consider your story and the people in your story, it's like God dropped them into your life at just the right time. It's like, man, you look at certain people in your life, and here they were. And sometimes you don't even understand it. Sometimes you don't even realize it. Sometimes it's not not much further down the road where you're like, man, I didn't know this was going to be a, a, a providential relationship. I didn't know they were going to mean this much to me. But, man, now looking back, I'm so glad that they walked into my life. And a lot of times what it feels like, it feels like divine intervention. It's like, man, it's like God just knew exactly what I needed and they just put them there, intersected their life with my life. And a lot of times when these relationships occur, when these people come into our life or when we step into somebody else's life, we don't understand it in the moment. But what happens is it becomes a defining moment. There have been times in my life, just even recently, somebody came up to me at our Wright City campus, and they said, hey, I just wanted to let you know that this week I went to counseling for the first time. It was a male. He said, I just went to counseling for the first time. I said, hey, that's great. He goes, no, here's what I'm trying to get you to understand, though. When you did that series last May on anxiety, and you talked about your struggles with mental health. You talked about your struggles with depression and you talked about how you were brave enough to go and see a counselor and how it's helped you. I looked at that and I thought, well, if he 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 could do that, so can I. And so that's what inspired me to go and sign up for counseling. My wife had been begging me for years to go see a counselor. And so I finally walked into that counselor's office and I just want you to know, without you, without this church, I probably would have never done that and I'm so thankful. And I said, wow, that's so encouraging. I didn't know you were even going through something, and that's the thing, is sometimes people step into our lives, and we don't even understand why they're there, but later on, we understand they were there for something that was coming, something that was going to occur, a defining moment that hadn't even happened yet, but when we look back, we go, man, I'm so thankful they did, and for us, sometimes we step into people's lives, and we don't even understand it. We're, We're just being a good person. We're just being friendly. We're just being nice, But then somebody tells us, man, no, you don't understand. When you stepped into my life, when you invited me to church, when you invited me to your small group, when you brought me along with you, I didn't know it at the time, and you didn't know it at the time, but that became a life changing moment that would write a chapter that I'm so, so thankful for. And here's the thing. We really shouldn't be surprised by this because this is exactly how Jesus' ministry began. Jesus' ministry began by him putting himself in positions where his life intersected with other people's lives. And because their lives intersected with Jesus' life, eventually their life would intersect with somebody else's life and it would have a huge impact on their life. You take, for instance, how Jesus met Philip and Andrew and many of his first disciples. We've talked about this even just recently in the last month. We talked about how Jesus was walking by and John said, hey, that's the Messiah. That's the guy I've been telling everybody about. And so they go and they start to stalk Jesus and Jesus goes, what do you want? And they're like, hey man, we just wanna know where you're going, like, where, where, where you're staying at. And he's like, well, why don't you come and see? Come and see and so they did. And so Philip goes and spends the night with Jesus and has this amazing conversation. Something must have took place because the next morning when he wakes up, he knows Jesus is about to go on. And he's planning on going with Jesus. But he decides he needs to go tell his friend about what he's just experienced. Something in his, in his mind or in his heart kind of nudged him and th- made him think like, man, I need to go and tell somebody about this. And so he does. He goes and gets his buddy, Nate, Nathaniel. And he goes, hey man, you remember that story that we've grown up with, the story of, you know, the story of this Messiah coming, that prophecy that we've all heard, because every Hebrew boy had heard about this prophecy of this Messiah coming, and, you know, generation by generation, never happened, so a lot of people maybe started to think it was like a wives' tale or something like that, but he goes, yeah, 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 he goes, well, I just found the guy, I think, I think this is the Messiah, you should, you should come with me. And Nathaniel if you remember his response his response was Nazareth this guy's from Nazareth he's a carpenter from Nazareth can anything good come from there and remember Philip's response Philip used the same invitation that Jesus had used on him he said well come and see just just come and see and we've developed this invitation into an invitation that we've taught you to extend to other people and the way we say it is this come and sit with me right come and sit with me. We want you to invite people to come and sit with you. We don't want you to go out and invite people to, to believe in anything. We don't even, you know, we don't want to put the pressure on you. You don't even have to go and invite people to follow Jesus. We just want you to go out and invite people, hey, come and sit with me. And this is something you guys have learned. It's become a culture of ours. Even last night, somebody shared a, a, a Facebook post that we put out of our uh, drink of the month. And uh, somebody was like, come to church with me. And their husband jumped in the comment section. And was like, It says come and sit with me, not come to church with me. Get it right. And anyway, they need marriage counseling now and everything. But anyway, <laughs> you guys have learned. That's the invitation. Come and sit with me. It's one of my favorite stories around here of how this is, you know, uh, worked itself out is the story of how Bo Burgess came to our church. If you don't know Bo, uh, he's, he's on our leadership team on, on our church. He, he works in the cafe here at our Troy campus. He he helps teach the kids on Wednesday nights at our Wright City campus. Everybody knows Bo and loves Bo and stuff. And uh, I'm about to say something nice about him in a minute, and then I'll take two years and keep picking on him. So this is, this, is, this, is a, this is a small commercial break on me picking on Bo. But the way that Bo came to our church, if you don't know, is Bo's actually from Ohio. He's family actually has a farm in Ohio and he went to school in Ohio, but this is where he was brought uh, for work. And he, he does stuff with crops and fields and chemicals and stuff. And it sounds very intelligent, but it's beyond me. But anyway, one day he ended up on one of the fields of one of our members of our church. And he ended up spilling a little bit of grain. And so him and this guy, his name was Larry, they they start picking up this grain. And so while they're picking up this grain, they they have a moment to talk. And so Larry starts asking him questions about where he's from and everything else, how old he is and everything. And so he offers them this invitation. Well, hey, my church has a lot of young people your age. You should come and sit with me sometime. And so Bo listens. He hears the invitation and he goes, yeah, maybe sometime. A few short weeks later, Bo's sitting in his, in his apartment in Troy. He gets a phone call from his dad. His dad lets him know, hey, your grandfather just passed away. And Bo was very close with his grandfather, so this was surprising news. And so Bo, he stops for a minute, and, and he begins to grieve. And he didn't have anybody to go see. He didn't have anybody to call. He, he kind of honestly feels a, a little lost in the moment. And then he remembers that invitation. The invitation by Larry to come and sit with him. And he thinks, well, man, I gotta have somebody to go through this with. I'm gonna go. And so Bo gets dressed, and it just so happened that his apartment was two blocks away from Bonfield's Auditorium, just up this road right here, where we were having church. And so he got up, and he started to walk over to Bonfield's. Now, meanwhile, our church service had already started and at Bob Fills, what we would do, there, there's a stage, there's a lot of seats, there's two double door metal doors over here that were always locked, and two double doors over here that were always locked, with a little bitty window with like stuff across it and everything. And then we had our children's church in the lobby in the front. So when you actually walked in, you actually went to walk through our children's department first. And so it was a whole thing. But all the doors are locked except for that front door. So I'm in the middle of preaching, okay? I'm in the middle of preaching, and then all of a sudden, these double doors right here just start shaking and we're all like, okay, it's happening, active shooter, active shooter, okay, it's just happening, we're prepared for this, you know, Brad Lindsay's cocking his gun and everything, I mean, you know, it was a whole thing anyway, but, you know, we're like, what in the world's going on, and Bo's just walking around the whole building, shaking doors, you know, trying to find a way in, you know, I'm still preaching, mind you, you know, because, I mean, if we're all about to get in a situation, we all need to know the Lord, and so I'm still preaching and everything, Brad's waving a gun, anyway, and then he finally finds a door that's unlocked, and here he comes, he walks into the of our children's department and meet Shayna Ware. And I'm pretty sure she peed her pants a little bit. She was a little scared. It was a little bit of a, a situation. But that's how Bo came into our lives. And ever since, like a little lost puppy, we have taken him in and taken care of him since we found him on the streets that day. But Bo and I, you know, Bo and I have a great relationship. He's like a brother to me, and we talk about this all the time. And sometimes, you know, we, we play the game of what if. What if that grain hadn't been spilt that day, you know? What if he didn't have time with Larry to talk and, and get that invitation? What if, what if his apartment wasn't two blocks away from our church in Bonfills? You know, what if, what if that phone call had, I and mean, if that phone call had just come thirty minutes later, or Bo had just waited thirty minutes later, and he had walked over to Bonfield's, we would have been long gone. The place would have been locked up. We would have been packed up, and we would have been gone. And I don't know if we ever would have met Bo. And look, I'm not saying everything happens for a reason, because if you know me or you're around here long enough, I don't believe everything happens for a reason. Bad things happen for no reason all the time. But I do believe that God knows the potential things that are ahead in our lives, and he chooses to sometimes nudge us certain directions to intersect our lives with somebody else's life. And if if you know Bo or you know Bo's story, we talk about it all the time. Bo is so thankful for our church because Bo's been through stuff in his life. And he's a single parent. He's gone through a divorce, and and through those moments, he was he was thankful that he had his church family to support him. Our church has been through stuff. I've been through things. And I've been so thankful to have Bo in my life because Bo has always had my back and Bo has always supported our church and it's, it's a joy to have him on our leadership team and have him serving in so many different capacities in our, in our organization. But, I, and I mean this with all my heart, when we talk about the church being the body of Christ, if we had to go around the room and assign body parts to everybody, Bo Burgess, he would be the heart of Anchored Hope Church. He really would. Because of how he loves and how he cares. And so anyway, that's the last nice thing I will say about Bo for like the next two years. But but that's how Bo came into our life. And, And here's the thing. All of us could think of a time or two where it just felt like God put somebody in our life or God put a group of people in our life. at just the right time. And although those providential relationships, a lot of times we don't have control over the things. I mean, that's the whole point of the word providential is that God's usually behind them. But but what we can do is this, is that the truth is that we should all and can all be proactive in getting into relationships with people whose faith informed their decisions. That we do have control over and that we can do. And what you'll see here in just a minute is the importance of proximity around other people whose faith journey is going in the same direction as yours. But to kind of drive home this point and to talk about this in a practical way, I wanna point you to a letter in your Bible called Hebrews. It's in your New Testament. And we call it sometimes a book, but it's a letter. And we don't know, here's the amazing thing about Hebrews, we don't know who wrote it. Okay, um, a lot of people believe it's Paul because it sounds like Paul, but we we don't have it because he doesn't say his name in it, and so it's just kind of left open. A, a lot of people believe this is kind of my belief is that at one point in time, uh, Paul wrote a letter to the, the Hebrews. You know, he's speaking to the Jews, and, and if you ever read the book of Hebrews front to back. it's it's a chess poker. I mean, it's very blunt, very forward because what was happening at that time is these Hebrews were really stuck in a tough position. Life was very difficult for them. The empire was hunting them and martyring Christians, but these Hebrews, they were traditional Hebrews. They followed... Abraham and the God of Abraham. They uh, followed 613 laws. They were still trying to, you know, follow the, the Old Testament to a T. They were still visiting the temple, but yet the temple at that point had probably been destroyed. And so then they didn't even have a temple to go to. And Paul and the apostles are saying, like, well, look, look, that's okay. It's okay that the temple's been destroyed. It's okay that that's going away. It's meant to because Jesus gave us a new way. And, and, and you don't need to worry about all those commands. You need to worry about loving God and loving others. And there's a new thing. Thing that Jesus is doing, and you need to adopt that. And so they, they were stuck in a really tough position, right? They didn't know exactly what they were supposed to do. But, but but the message is very much just poking them in the chest, very, very direct. And so I think maybe what would have happened is Paul wrote this, and every pastor, if you don't know this, every pastor, Alan will know this, every pastor has a drawer of sermons that's like, yeah, they can't handle that yet. You know what I mean? So you just save those to when you give like your two-week notice, and then you just start punching people in the chest, you know what I mean? You're like, I'm on my way out, so I'll just say whatever I want, you know? I'm gonna get straight with him, right? But maybe Paul, like, put the, you know, he's like, they're not ready for this, and then somebody found it, and was like, oh no, they need to hear this. All right, tough love it is. Wake up, idiots, you know, and just mailed it off to them or something. Maybe, but here's the point. He writes them this letter, and it's involving their faith, and this is what he says. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Here's what he's saying. He said, hey, you've got to hold on to your faith. Do not abandon your faith. Because if you abandon your faith, what hope will you have? Okay, things are already dark. Things are already glim. You, if you're gonna have any hope at all, you've got to cling to this. Do not swerve off the road. Continue to hold on to your faith and Be faithful. And then he gives them handlebars. He gives them something that they can actually do. And so this is what he tells them to do. So he says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on. He makes something very clear. Hey, guys, here's the thing when it comes to your faith, you can't do this by yourself, you cannot do this alone. This is not an individual sport. You have to have some other people along with you. And here's the thing. Here's what we can do. We can come together as a community, as a body, And we can spur one another on. But again, he gets practical. He's not just talking about let's get together, sing some songs, listen to some content, and believe some things in our heart. He says, let's get together and spur one another on. And then he says, the way that we can spur one another on is toward love and good deeds. He says, hey, let's get together. Let's spur one another on. And let's spur one another on to love. Let's, let's spur one another to love one another, you know, to be peaceful, to be full of grace, to forgive one another, to be merciful. Let's spur one another on, in love, and then let's practice good deeds together. Let's, let's be there for our community. Let's take care of the kids. Let's take care of the widows. Let's take care of one another when one of us is in need. Let's get together, spur one another on in faith and in good deeds and in love And then, then comes the punch in the chest, okay? And again, this is what the whole letter is like. He'll say something very practical, and this is the point where you're like, okay, and then let's let the sermon end there. But he punches somebody in the chest is what he does. And he says, not giving up, not giving up meeting together, as some of you are in the habit of doing, because I know you don't think I've noticed, but I've noticed some of you are in the habit Let us not give up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Here's what he's saying. He's trying to help us understand that when it comes to our faith and our faith journey, proximity matters. Proximity matters. If we're going to be people of faith, if we want to grow up and blow up and nurture our faith, It is vital, it is important that we are around other people on the same faith journey as us. Proximity matters. And here's what I've experienced as a pastor, okay? I've been a pastor a long time now. I was a pastor's kid, so I've seen this. So without a shadow of a doubt, I believe this. Every time somebody loses their faith or walks away from their faith, people lose faith when they lose contact with people of faith. This happens so often. People will lose their faith, not because of something they read, not even because of something they experienced. A lot of times, it's the opposite. They'll experience something traumatic in their life, and they won't run away from the church or people of faith. They'll run towards people of faith because they need them to survive this. They need them to get through this. But what happens is it's kind of like a slow burn. And a lot of times they can't even connect the dots. But what's happening is they'll lose their faith as they get away from people of faith. And the thing is, is that so many times what happens is slowly but surely we begin to walk away from people of faith. And then things just start to feel different. You know, and every once in a while, I hate to say this, but sometimes I'll even call it, you know, I'll call my shot and I'll say it to Kate and she'll go, well, I don't know what you, what you, why you're, you're saying this or whatever, but I'll tell Kate, yeah, I think we're about to lose this person. I think we're about to, they're gonna, they're gonna walk away from the church, they're gonna walk away from their faith for a while and I think they're gonna go through something really, really difficult. I think I'm gonna get a text or a call or an email here pretty soon. And she goes, why would you say that? And I'll say, because they've been gone a really long time. Because we all know it's so easy for this to happen. It's it's not something we do intentionally, it just naturally happens sometimes. That every once in a while, we'll go on vacation for two weeks, which people go on vacation, that's normal, but we'll go on vacation for two weeks. And then, we'll have ball tournaments for four weeks. And then, we'll go camping for three weeks. And then, we got a wedding, and then we got a birthday party, and then we get sick, and all of a sudden, it's been like three months since we've been around people of faith. We've been around our faith community. And then all of a sudden, I'll get the call, I'll get the text, I'll I'll get the email. Hey, man, man, we just, we don't know. We're praying about it right now, but we just, we're not feeling, we're not feeling it. I feel distant from God. I'm starting to question my faith. I'm not feeling a part of the church. I'm, I'm not feeling connected to anybody. I just, I feel like there's a click over here and I'm outside of it and, I, and it's just all of these different things, right? It, 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 the script can go so many different ways. And look, here's the thing. Every time I, I you know, hear that, you know, I, I, I do what every good pastor does. You know, I, I, I rub their back and I kiss their boo-boos, you know what I mean? And I ask them, oh, oh it's, it's gotta be something we're doing. It must be our fault. How can we better serve you? What can we do for you? But here's the thing I'm thinking in my head, okay? Don't tell anybody this, okay? This is just a private conversation between you and me, okay? Don't tell anybody this. But what I'm thinking in my head is, well, of course, ding-a-ling, Okay? That's the word I use in my head, dingling. Okay. Of course, dingling. Of course you don't feel connected to the church. You've disconnected yourself. Of course you don't feel God. You haven't been doing anything that requires faith in God. You haven't been able to experience God's faithfulness on the other side of your faith and action because you haven't been doing anything that requires any faith. Of course, of course you feel like you're on an island by yourself because you've put yourself on an island because you've been living your world and doing your stuff and I get it, it happens. But here's the thing, you've disconnected yourself from everybody and everything. So of course you're not feeling it. And here's the thing. My sister called me this week. She goes, what's that thing you say? What's that thing you tell people? Why they need to serve? Why they need to be there? It's not because there's a star system or they're trying to earn anything. But why is it that people need to serve and they need to give and they need to attend? And I said, oh, that thing I say? The thing I say is this. The church doesn't want anything from you. We want something for you. This is why we encourage you to be here as often as you can. This is why we encourage you to serve on a surf team. This is why we encourage you to practice generosity. It's not for our benefit. We will be fine. The thing is is that this is for you because without it, you put yourself on an island. It's when we're together, it's when we're connected, it's when we're in corporate worship together, it's when we're in a small group, it's when we're serving on a team that we remember, oh yeah, that's right, it's not all about me. I'm not on an island by myself. I'm a part of a body, I'm a part of a community. And there's others, others than myself. I need to put others before myself. I'm reminded that God is faithful. Sometimes I don't always feel God. I don't always experience God in my life, but it's like I watch the, the testimony of like the Herberts that we shared at the beginning of this. And I hear what the Herberts are going through with their daughter, Noelle, and I see God's faithfulness. And maybe I'm not feeling it right now, but I can look at the Herberts story and I can be inspired. And because of their story and their willingness to share their story, I can be inspired and my confidence in God can grow. My trust in God can grow. So sometimes it's not even through my life, but it's through my life being interconnected through other people's lives that my faith suddenly grows up and blows up. The thing is, is so many times, this is what I'll hear. I'll hear, I'm just not feeling anymore. I don't know where God is. I don't feel part of the church. I'm struggling, and I get it, and I understand. But you have to understand that sometimes you put yourself there. And it breaks my heart because I don't want anybody to feel any of that. I don't want anybody to feel disconnected from the church. I don't want anybody to feel like they don't know where God is or they can't understand God or they feel distant from God. No one should have to go through that. But you have to understand sometimes we put ourselves in that position because we put ourselves on an island, because we disconnect ourselves for far too long. And the truth is, is that staying connected, staying connected, To a faith community is what grows up and blows up our faith. Staying connected to a faith community grows up and blows up our faith. Because when we're together, our lives intersect with one another's. And when our lives intersect with one another's, our confidence in God grows. Our understanding of God grows. But the other thing that happens too is for a moment, in these moments, we are practicing what heaven is going to be like. Again, I don't know your context, and I don't know how you grew up, or I don't know what was promised to you, but I'm telling you right now, I know some of you were told, all you got to do is believe certain things, and you've punched your ticket to heaven, and when you get to heaven, you're going to walk down your street of gold, and there's going to be your your Disney mansion waiting for you on a five-acre lot with a roller coaster and a coffee machine, and every day, you're going to wake up in heaven and tell the other holy kids to get off your lawn because you earned this while you were on earth. Okay? Okay? But let me tell you something. That's not how it's going to be. Okay, We're going to be in community with one another. We're going to be up there one anothering one another. We're going to be loving one another, being at peace with one another, forgiving one another. The last will be first. We're going to be pushing each other to the front of the line. We're going to be taking care of one another's needs. And we're going to be in a community. And for that reason, and again, I don't think a pastor has probably ever told you this before. But you got to understand the relationships the relationships are more important than the content. Being here is not about sitting through four songs. Being here is not about listening to me preach. It's not about anything I'm saying. It's about the relationships. The relationships and one another and one another. Serving one another, being there for one another, praying with one another, getting to know with each other laughing together it's the relationships the relationships are more important than the content which is why you've got to be here as often as you can because I'm telling you you're not going to get saved listening to my podcast on the way to work okay That is just like beliefs. It's not going to get you anywhere. It's going to leave you exactly where you are. Listening to Joy FM or four worship songs on Sunday, that's not the point. It's the relationships, it's being connected to one another. Because you know this. You know this. Whether you're a Christian or not, you believe this. Your friendships, your friends determine the direction and quality of your life. You know this. The people you hang out with, the people you're connected to, your friends determine the direction and quality of life. And when it comes to your faith, here's what you need to understand. Your friends determine the direction and quality of your faith. This is why it's important to encourage being around other people on the same faith journey as you. Being here together and not just coming and sit and coming and sitting, but but, but talking with one another, getting around and, and connecting and laughing with other people, and telling people your stories and, and listening to their stories, being in a small group, fleshing this all out, serving alongside of one another. that is what practice of heaven looks like. This is not in, in my script or anything i didn 't write this this week, but I shared it at nine a m service and it worked, so i guess i 'll share it again but um, they're, they're sitting right here in the front row, the Spees, But Adam and I were talking in small group. They've always been in our, our small group since we launched small groups. And uh, Adam and I were talking in, in small group a couple weeks ago about you know people who have inspired you and things you're thankful for in your faith journey and stuff. And uh, for those of you who don't know how the Spees and I met, you know we live in Moscow Mills and. For the longest time, the lot right next to us was just a gravel lot where they would park their trucks while they built out the subdivision. So the last house they built was the Spees house. And so the Spees moved in. And, and again, I know you think I'm an extrovert. I'm not, okay, okay. I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert that God forces to be an extrovert and it's very painful for me, okay? And so I'm not, I'm not an extrovert. And so, you know, when the speeds moved in, I know that you thought that, you know, I would be that guy who goes and knocks on their door and say, well, howdy, neighbor. Tell you what, you want to come to church with me? You know, I'm not that guy. Like I just don't do that. So, for the longest time, the only, you know, connection or communication that I had with the Spee's is in our neighborhood there's four mailboxes together for every little four houses. And so I would see Adam get his mail and I'd be getting my mail and be, "Sup." <laughs> "Sup." Okay. You know, I mean that was it. That was the only connection that we had, that was the only communication we had. But at that point in time, it was right around Easter. And Uh, we had made like 200 Easter baskets, 200 Easter baskets with candy and some stuff and had an invite to our Easter egg hunt and an invite to Easter at church. And so we had these Easter baskets and we were going around all over town and handing them to people and stuff. So I had a couple in my car and my daughter, Olivia, she had seen that the Spees had moved in and there was a girl her age. And so Olivia's about four at the time, a little beautiful blonde haired little child. And she goes, Daddy, I wanna take our new neighbor's I want to take our new neighbors an Easter basket. And again, I'm like, okay, well, you're doing it yourself. (laughs) So so I just like stood in the street, you know, and my little four-year-old takes this Easter basket that's about as big as her, knocks on the door, Sarah opens the door, and Livy goes, here, this is for you. And again, you don't think anything of it, right? Neither did the speeds. They didn't think anything of it. I mean, a little girl shows up at the door, gives them an Easter basket. Cool beans, what the heck, you know. Who cares? But then Sarah brought the girls to our egg hunt. And then Sarah came on Easter Sunday. And then a few weeks later, Adam came with them. And again, Adam, what he was saying at small group is he said, man, I'm so glad Olivia walked across the yard and handed us that Easter basket. Because again, we had no clue. None of us had any clue what hung in the balance of that invitation. None of us had any understanding of what hung in the balance of that Easter basket. And this week, I saw on my Facebook memories his two year anniversary of when I got to baptize Adam. And I saved that photo. And I texted it to him, and I said, "Hey, happy happy baptism anniversary, buddy." And now I, I, you know, again, I'm emotional because here's the spes, and next to him is his mom, (laughs) and next to her is his sister, who comes to my small group now every Monday night at my house. And I I look at that invitation. I look at what my little girl did just walking across the street, and it inspires me. But I had no clue what hung in the balance of that invitation. And Adam and I and Sarah, we talk about it all the time because we're best friends, and we're so connected, and we're so there for each other. But we had no understanding of what hung in the balance of that invitation. And now, with our lives entangled with one another, how we're, we've, both of our families are better for it, how our our children are growing up together and, and connected to one another and there for one another, I look back and I go, "Wow, what divine intervention! What a defining moment for both of our families on our faith journey and so I say that to you for For three reasons. There's three things I I want you to do this week. Three things I need you to do this week. The first thing is I want you to go back to the beginning of this message and think about that person who came to your mind. That person that you are so glad that they walked into your life. I mean, it came out of the blue, came out of nowhere. Maybe it was just a simple invitation to come to church. Maybe it was a simple invitation to come over to their house. Maybe it was just the start of the relationship. And you look back at that and you're like, Wow. You know what? You need to tell that person, thank you. you. You need to tell that person, hey, I don't think you understand how much you mean to me. You could call them. You could text them and just say, hey, I, just, I just want you to know, I appreciate you. you. You should call that person this week. You should text that person this week. The second thing is this. You need to be here And again, you don't need to be here to earn your stars in heaven or to earn your stripes or to get another brick in your mansion or anything like that. It's not about that. It's not about church attendance. It's nothing for us. Here's what I'm telling you. You need to be here because you need to be connected to some other somebodies. You need to be here because we're all in this together. You need to be here because you don't live on an island by yourself. And you don't even know it yet, but there will be some defining moments in your life There will be some defining moments in your marriage. There will be some defining moments as a parent. There will be some defining moments in your kid's life where you don't even know it yet, but you are gonna need some some people who love you. You're gonna need more than family. You're gonna need more than just friends. You're gonna need some people of faith that will come alongside of you and sacrifice for you and give give you the shirt on their back. And that is the type of community and body of Christ we are. So you need to be here. But the third thing is this. You need to extend that invitation to somebody else. You need to invite somebody to come and sit with you. And like I've told the story of Bo, I've told the story story of the Spees, I could tell so many more stories. Let me tell you something, guys. You have no clue what hangs in the balance of that simple invitation. You have no idea how it could change someone's life. You have no idea just how much they may just need it. And I am so convinced, Kate and I were just talking about this yesterday because once again, I had somebody text me out of the blue yesterday from my CrossFit gym. Hey, I'm coming to your church tomorrow. What time is service? And I looked at Kate and I said, what in the world, Catherine? Like, we're about to change our, change our name from Anchored Hope to CrossFit Hope or something like that. I mean, it's just, it's just stupid at this point. But Kate said something. She goes, Michael, what it is, And she goes, I think for so long, and this is so many churches around the country right now. Churches are going, people don't want to come to church anymore. There's something wrong with this culture. They're just, they don't love God anymore. I don't think that's it. I think people want to come to church so badly. We've just been such, such a bunch of weirdos for so long. We've scared them all off because they think there's something weird going around here. And they don't trust the church. But she said, Michael, you have been 100% yourself. You've been 100% yourself and our church is 100% genuine and I think people just see it and they just wanna be a part of it because they've wanted to come back to church for a long time and when we offer that invitation to come and sit, man, they're fast to take it. You have people you could bring along this journey with you. You have people that are waiting for you to extend that invitation. So extend it. Tell, invite somebody to come and sit with you. Let me pray for you this morning. God, I am so thankful for the people that you put in my life that were there for me. You, you have put people in my life whew, who were there at just the right time, just the right moment. They've been there through those defining moments that have changed me and I'm so thankful for that. God, there's so many people I'm thankful for this morning, and I probably don't tell them enough just how much I love them and how much I'm thankful for them, and I pray that you help me to do that this week, but God, too, I I know that there are people that you want me to be there for, too. There are people, I, I know sometimes I think low of myself, I think, who am I, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, I'm not the guy for the job, there are people that you are trying to get me to intersect my life with theirs because you know that I need them and you know that they need me so will you help me to have the courage to listen to that nudge to extend that invitation to be present in my community to be a part of this thing you've created and to to be vulnerable to share to to help me love and spur one another on god that's why you have us here today, not just to listen to a sermon, not just to sing some songs, but because this is practice for heaven, being a family, being a community, being connected together, being there for one another. It's, it's what it's all about. So God, we help us to live this out? Help us to live out our faith in the reality of our life. In your name we pray, amen. Well, the band's going to come back up, and we're going to just sing two more songs together and... You know, the, the reason that we have this, this time together is it's time to focus on God. It's time to, it's time to dwell on how we're going to live this out. So if you'll stand with me this morning, I just want to invite you for these next few moments. Maybe you even need to get out that phone right now and text that person or DM that person. And just say, hey, uh, I know this is weird. I'm sitting in church, but I just want to say thank you. I just want to tell you I love you. I just want to tell you I appreciate you. But I hope this week you live out your faith and the reality of your life. Let's worship together.